The Say Something Podcast is brought to you by a momentwithmorris.com and blackblueprints.com. That's blackblueprints with a Z.com. I am Jermaine Morris here, the one and only Mr. Barry Axis. Yes, sir. We are bringing you the Say Something Podcast. Say something, say something, say something. Where we get together, talk about everything going on in the life and the world out here in these streets. In these cool, cool, cool streets. Coming at you, bringing episode number 62. 62, boo, fire! <laughs> we get pretty deep in here. But we... Dude, we almost at 100. Yeah, we're going to be there in a minute. 62, want to give a special shout out to a, to a gentleman who has uh, since passed. He's gone on to greener pasture. This is the second or third gentleman you did in a row, dog. Okay. I'm just saying. Nah, two. Before that was Lauren, remember? Lauren Hill? That was Lauren. Okay. Then was keeping you honest. I'm, I'm no, saying. you don't remember. My, I remember. I it's remember. 2018, the year of keeping everyone honest. I remember. I take that. Me too. And <laughs> this gentleman and... Notably, for some folks, they call him the godfather of stand-up. He was, uh, had a very uh, tumultuous start. He was born, his mother was a prostitute. His father was a boxer turned hustler. At the age of 10, he was sent to go live with his grandparents, who lived with his grandmother uh, in her brothel. And from that, he went on and all these different experiences shaped him from forms of molestation to surrounded by drug abuse and, and a sex working industry. Uh, he kept it together enough he wouldn't join the military and even there he had incidences because this was somebody who had a lot of stuff he was trying to process and he found a way to use his voice through laughter he inspired those like eddie murphy and chris rock to dave Chappelle and kevin hart uh, he had seven children in life married six times twice to the same woman that's funny <laughs> uh special why love. would you just a lot of jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Special love and appreciation to his for his surname. A little love one time to Richard Franklin Lennox Thomas Pryor. Yeah. Richard Pryor for those that don't know. What was one of his cocaine lines? Cocaine is like a hell of a drug. I thought one of his lines was. Yeah, deeply was that. <laughs> And I heard like he's like bisexual or something. Yeah, like all that. that stuff, man. And that was where he was known as the godfather and the grandfather of stand up is because he told just the straight up truth. Wow. Like, I mean, he was up there talking about his, you know, bisexual activities. He was up there talking about, you know, how he was abused growing up, the stuff he used to see. He kept it, you know, ninety eight plus two when he was up on stage. Man. And you know, he was somebody that inspired so many. You can't look at any of these today's comics and you and not see Richard. I mean, even from uh, Steve Harvey's mustache and suits to, you know, Chappelle's just speaking bluntly about what's going on in life now to Chris Rock's breakdown of the political process and how that affects everyday people like he you see him in all these people whenever they take the stage. Somebody who was. You know, extremely unapologetic about the life he lived. Like I said, he 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 was straight up and and somebody that I think we got get a little extra love, a little new to know worthy time, Richard. Didn't if we you can, already clap for him? But if you can hear, we've got more. <laughs> this than, we've got a couple of damn. extra claps. Oh, okay. Yeah, we do. We've got a few extra bodies. We in got the a building. couple of extra claps, and, and and the reason is we got once again special guests in the building. Yeah. <laughs> First I'm done, off, I'm, I'm done clapping. Making her second appearance here with us on the Say Something podcast. First and foremost to my right, we got Miss D Hayes in the D. building. D Hayes in the building. I'm happy to be here. Peace and love, family. No doubt of you and uh, sister serving sack and all good things. What is it? She a hairstylist, a, a mother, a barber. A, entre- a barber. Excuse me, entrepreneur. Two licenses. You wow. What was that? A uh, uh, Haymon. Uh, the Jamaican. Oh yeah, yeah, I love yeah, the yeah, door yeah, man, yeah. the lawn man, the man about town. I'm no, the man, I'm man on the spot. I'm I would never, the... I would never let her cut my hair, but you know, hey. But we respect her talent. Respect her talent. Also here with That's us, making her debut performance on the Say Something podcast is Dana Maisha. Mrs. Does everything. She's on about several different. Um, she owns several different businesses. <laughs> Run several different organizations, and she's on several different podcasts as well. Oh, you been making a podcast circuit? A little something. <laughs> okay. 
She's being shy right now. Okay. Lots going on out here in the traffic since the last time we got together. In these cold, cold, cold streets, yeah. <laughs> you like that, huh? I like that. So I we got a slightly it. different perspective now, because normally you get to hear myself and Barry as we talk about what's going on out here. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Shouts out to my brother, Tef Poe. Let's not that. Yes, that's yes. Not that. Shout the vote. If y'all ain't got episode 61, tune in to episode 61. Trap the vote. Uh, Tef Poe, politics as usual. Wow, my brother was holding it down. Uh, funny story about it when we was trying to uh, get him out of here. Uh, he didn't even have a plane ticket to leave out at 5 in the morning. So we ended up having to come back and leave at 1 in the afternoon because we had been up all night. <laughs> yeah, right. Amazing episode. Great conversation. We're not going to call it an interview. It was just a great conversation yeah. with him talking about everything. Like I said, politics, voting, you know, the moves made after Ferguson, how that affects us here in Sacramento and everybody everywhere. Like I said, so you know, I'm going to get myself and Barry's take on what's going on. So we have a we have women energy in the building, female perspective. To Power of a queen. Power of a queen. Yeah. Can we say pussy power? Oh, uh, uh, pussy power? I don't want to say it. I don't want me too coming after me. Pussy power. <laughs> we just don't throw that out there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and she just said pussy power. <laughs> I'm happy she said it and not us. Yeah, we don't, well, need, we don't need that smoke. <laughs> so what's going on out here? Some of the stuff to talk about. And so we can get, because you can get the male perspective of stuff, how we see this, how we would move, how we would operate around different things. Y'all have a <laughs> unique perspective of not only being women, but also being mothers. Definitely. So when it comes to how we see things as men, you see not only the woman version, but then you also see what your sons coming up, what they're what they might be facing. Okay. Uh, something that's become big in this country, not that it's a new condition, but now because cell phones have become, you know, the CNN of the streets <laughs> and people can promote more. Uh, anything while black is, is requiring a 911 call these days. You know, drinking coffee while black, standing while black, uh, doing your job while black, ordering a pizza while black. All that stuff has been getting cop calls uh, regularly. They're showing videos countless across the country where people are just blatantly calling the police either to antagonize or instigate a situation or just because they feel like that's the way to get rid of black people from where they are. Uh, they were showing one video where a woman was yelling gun while screaming into her phone, calling 911 to, to a brother who was in his car, who was not even approaching her, but she kept yelling, calling 911 and screaming gun, hoping that the police would show up and execute this brother just because she didn't like it. So, I mean, these things are going on regularly. You know, they're showing the one brother was out there doing the, uh, the house assessment where he was supposed to, supposed to inspect the property and the woman next door called the police because in her eyes, he shouldn't be there. There was a sister who was sleeping in the uh, the communal room at Yale, and the the girl called the police because they they didn't think she should be there. And for them, for some people, they do it because they think, like, oh, it's just a way to get rid of them, or let's just wait and see what happens. But this can have very dangerous outcomes. And so, as you guys, I'm sure you've seen some of these videos, you've seen some of this stuff happen. What resonates with you when you watch this, and does that make you feel? Any uh, safety differences for yourself and then especially for your children? One of y'all. <laughs> um, let's see. The one that I most recently watched was the young boy. I believe he was in high school. And it seemed like he was dressed up like after prom. And he's at a Waffle House. So I didn't watch the full video. But all I saw was a police officer that was twice his size choke holding him and wrestling him to the ground so obviously that makes me think of my son and him being in any any type of situation and like you said if someone seems like if they feel like he shouldn't be in that situation in that environment then they can just obviously call the police and we don't know the outcome because he could be shot like anything could happen we don't know the outcome once the police gets there or once the authorities do get there whether they're right or wrong in that particular situation so that's scary <laughs> Yeah, that was the, that, the infamous. I don't even know why folks are still going to Waffle House. <laughs> like, it, 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 it's serious. Uh, Dana, do you have any uh, views? Yeah, I have some views. I was just thinking about, as um, the Sister Queen was talking, I was just thinking about how 
um, their emotional safety. You know, like my son and your son, uh, if they were to come in contact with the police, just how they feel emotionally. Like, you know, they're, they're supposed to be raised and bred to be warriors themselves and to just have that kind of uh, taken from them and they're always in a vulnerable or subservient position that has to do something to a young boy's psyche so I'm really concerned about that as well too you know physical safety of course also though the uh, the emotional aspect of it okay what do you think that looks like so when you think of uh, a young boy like the one who was Coming from prom, he was, let's just call it 17. I don't have his exact age, but that, you know, give or take a year. And you're getting, you know, choke slammed. You know, you're mm. just getting just, just, I mean, emasculated in that right. moment. You know, by someone, it's not even a question of his physical dominance, but because of his profession, you can't swing back right. and you can't do what, you know, or, or losing your life. What do you think that looks like? Two, three, four, or five years down the road, you said you're worried about what that would do to his psyche. What is it that you're actually worried about? Well, I know for sure um, it's, he would. Uh, they would feel a level of frustration that, uh, if not processed appropriately, um, can turn into other things. You know, it could turn into aggression. You know, sometimes we find that people act out or aggress upon people whom they can aggress upon because they themselves have been emasculated. And uh, also, too, you just want your son uh, to grow up to feel like a man. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, and to feel like a man in every sense of the word and that not only uh, can he protect those he loves, but he can kind of protect himself. And so I don't know, I guess they used to call that during slavery uh, bug breaking. Different practice, same end result. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's just I don't know. It's kind of just for those at home who are not familiar with the historical aspect of what you're referring to. That's where they used to take uh, men and sodomize them, you know, yeah. in, in front of an audience. And so that's how they would break the spirit of the man that, that they were basically raping, as well as the spirit of other men who thought about rising up. As well as what that visual did to the women who looked at him. Like, this is not somebody you're going to rally behind. Like, we have, you know, that the epitome of, of emasculation, you know, in, in front of the group. Little things in history that they don't teach you in social studies. You know, but I, I think that these are real concerns because there are some people who believe that if you walk away from that type of incident and there's no gunshot, you know, that, that the kid wasn't shot, that he's fine. That when oh, he got to go home, he's okay. Or maybe he just learned a life lesson in the moment and he'll move a little bit differently. But I don't think we pay enough attention to the psychological ramifications of what those things do. You know, those types of moments. How you feel? How's that rest with you, Barry? Well, um, when you look at all things considered, I definitely believe psychologically that it's affecting our community to the point where we cannot go a day now without something racial potent in our face that's creating this idea that first we're inferior and second that there is really this fear factor and it's a lie you know let's let's be very clear but black people are are, are are prisoners of this moment that now folks are like well my god uh we can't do anything this has been happening the only thing that's different about what's going on right now it's being recorded yeah. right and now that some of the things are so absurd, we make these memes on it to make it seem funny, but it's really not actually funny. And the racism, the prejudice that has been going on in America is clearly now evident. So I think that what it does, it really creates this uh, inferior attitude and mentality for a lot of black people because we are, are being bullied. We're being bullied by white people and white people are having a good old time. Um, being able to play around and pretend that they are really in fear that we're uh, not supposed to be in a Starbucks. We're re they're really in fear that we uh, would run out on the bill so we have to pay before we eat. Yeah. And all these things are are, are, are are now being put to the forefront because it's a new story. It's very trendy. Uh, I just got called the N-word probably a couple months ago. Right mm -hmm. by this by this uh, uh, this you know neo Nazi mm -hmm. at uh, at the 
the Jeff Sessions rally in Sacramento, you know what I mean? And I could have kind of really pushed it, but I really didn't push it as much as I, I should have. And I remember just uh, probably like four or five years ago, me and one of my mentees were being called all type of N-words after we had dined over at this restaurant uh, that, that used to be in Sacramento. And um, the, the patriots and, the, and the, 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 the people were just looking in shock as this white woman basically called us uh, every version of the N-word that she could kind of get out of her freaking mouth. Yeah. And... I remembered asking one of my colleagues and asking them, what should I do about it? I should take it to the press and things of that nature. And they were like, well, you, you really can't say this and say that. Gave me bad information. But now, had that had happened in this day and age, I could have been on the front page news with the kind of, 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 of you know, kind of uh, racism and with the kind of rant and the kind of stuff that she's doing is the kind of stuff that we're seeing. It's, it's generally letting us know really how a lot of white folks feel about black people. And if now, if now the Negro is saying to themselves, well, we're equal and everybody is the same. If we're still cheering on that notion now, we are uh, running around looking for fool's gold. Because if this is does not, and this is not saying that white, like all white folks think we, we, like we, that. We, we, we don't, but yeah, I know we, we have to preface that. that sometimes. But the reality is enough. <laughs> enough do. And when you know enough do, the one thing that I know, the way you lo let a person know that you're very serious about how they treat you, you stop supporting the things that create their power. You stop supporting the revenue things that build their stream of income. You start creating and you start building your own. So in this whole wave of, uh, let's think about it. We've gone through uh, major uh, uh Characters, like if it was, was a what was our Paula Dean, right? Yeah. Uh, going with her racial rant. Uh, you know, we've gone waiters through waiters dressed up like slaves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've gone through you know major um, you know entities, you know, kind of showing us what it is. Uh, the NFL, Colin Kaepernick still isn't in the in the, in the NFL right mm -hmm. now. We have been shown on every level how it is. We have watched white people march in, in South Carolina. And show us a stance that looks like we're back in the 1950s. Tiki torches. Yes. Yeah. So when is it going to be enough, Negro, for you to sit there and say, time to build, time to divide the pie and start to create our own? Okay. So I looking at that and, and, and since we have some women in the building. So the argument comes in sometimes that the black male and black female struggle are not entirely the same. That you will find within this system that it's a little softer landing for black women than it is black men. I'm not saying this is true individually, but there is that narrative that gets floated around. That the idea, if you look at systemically, that young black men are locked up at a much higher rate than young black women. That the idea of you, you do have issues with like Sandra Bland, but you're more likely than not. If somebody's getting shot, you know, Philando Castillo took the bullet. She was OK. Like you'll find that there's some people who believe that that the struggle is not even if it's 51, 49, that it's not exactly the same. What is you speaking to your firsthand experience? Because you've all been on this earth long enough to have a few. Like, how do you feel as you maneuver through this world? Like the stuff that you see on the job that you've seen in school, like you see these things on the Internet, you see them on TV. What kind of chords do they strike with you personally? Um, I feel like the black man is portrayed to be violent, you know, and authority figures deal with black men in that way. And I feel like for the black woman, we're, there's this image that's painted of us like we're just angry. We're just angry, irrational, violent, but in a different, a different way. It's almost like we're violent with each other versus violent with other cultures, I'd say. So, or we're over-sexualized. But as far as violence go, black men... They're painted more violent, beast-like human beings. You know what I mean? We don't usually get that. Um, I have to agree with um, D. Hayes. I feel like there's levels to it. Okay. I feel like um, when we talk about uh, black men, I feel like Definitely within corporate America and uh, on the job and stuff like that. I get how they are frustrated because they don't necessarily always get seats at those tables. And as far as black women, they allow us seats at the table. 
So I get that. Um, there is black women do have it easier in that aspect. However, I believe that, uh, and I also agree that we do have a reputation for being angry and being mad and stuff like that. But I would have to say that, um, I try to, uh, not feed into that image, but I also have to, when I look at things, I have to say that we have a right to be, we have a right to be angry. We have a right to be mad. I feel like, um, Though the black woman's fall is softer when it comes to uh, corporate America and stuff like that, I feel like the divide that we have between black men and black women, that's a lot. That's like a whole nother beast, too. Like, and that's really a real thing, and that happens. And so I get that black men are frustrated. I get that... um, they don't always have the same seats at the table that we do. And um, so I get that we probably are seemingly uh, getting a better deal. But I also think that uh, black men who use their power and or use their platform for good and for power, I think that those who do have a seat at the table, I think that they have... Um, better opportunities and more opportunities than women women seems like women seem like they're always fighting for power they're always fighting to be listened to they're always fighting to be heard fighting to be respected and we have to do it on every platform okay so when so keeping with that so in your life experience personally like jobs you've worked uh schools you went to neighborhoods you lived in just your interaction in day-to-day life how much do you personally Think about race on the day to day basis. And what I mean by that is not racial identification, but the issue of it. Like because there are some some races and some people who walk around the earth. and They believe that racism is not an issue because they don't think about it regularly because the system in which they live in does not directly apply to them. So there's there's no foot on your neck. There's nobody breathing down your neck. There's nobody hovering over you. There's nobody chokeholding you. There's nobody. You know what I'm saying? That you don't. If you don't feel, you don't feel the presence of your oppressor. You can kind of forget that they're there. Whereas if you feel him hovering over you all day, it's constantly on your mind. So as you personally, just not not big picture, not everybody, but you personally, how often or do you? Does that really sit with you on a day-to-day basis? I would have to say I think about race on a daily basis. I live with it almost, you know, this is going to sound crazy, but I kind of carry it in my spirit. Like, I live with racism, and I deal with it on a daily basis on my job. You know, it's called institutional racism, those subtle racisms. And then also I deal with it, uh, uh, working out in the community where, uh, I see that there are certain resources that are afforded to some people. Let's, we could just take education. Okay. There are certain resources afforded to some people that are not afforded to others. So I, I would have to say I deal with racism every day. I think about it every day. Okay. So when you talk about institutional racism, and the reason why I'm asking these questions is because there are narratives that black people just use racism as an excuse. Or if the reason why you fail in this society and you say because there's some racial biases or racial undertones, that that's the the uh, what we call it victim mentality and, and that sort of stuff. So if you were explaining uh, institutional racism, if you're in, if you're explaining the subtleties on the job, what does that look like to you? OK, so uh, and let's take institutional racism with regards to education. Yes. So, um, I don't know if you all have been privy to this book, Savage Inequalities. It's a really good book, but basically it was a study done in the 80s, and it talked about the education system and how it was um, based on zip code. Okay. So, you know, if your school is in the hood, you go to school in the hood, you probably have used books or the watered-down rendition of books or resources. And if you live in a more desirable neighborhood, then, you know, more resources flood to that community. Now, you may say, well, you know, it's based on property taxes. And so maybe the property taxes are higher there. 
um, property tax are lower in the hood. I get that. I get that. But these children, these same children, are expected to be able to compete when they get to college. That's not fair. So it's not fair. How can they? To me, I think that's institutional racism, a form of it. Um, institutional racism uh, with regard to the job or to corporate America. I've been in corporate America for like 29 years. And um, I see it. I, I also know what it is when uh, they say that, you know, black women seemingly have it easier. I think that I am more acceptable to be at the table than black men. But I look at a walk around and I look at black men, the, the few black men that are there on the job, they're either in the mail room or they, you know, they have the jobs really that nobody wants. I, there's, I, I work with somebody that's educated at UC Berkeley. And there are people that ex that exceed him in salary that don't have a college degree. He might be more qualified for the job. He might be more qualified for the job, but he was probably skipped over. He's a black man. Mm -hmm. And so black men in the boardroom, at the table, uh, I don't think that that is something that is desirable. That's not the picture that they want to see. <laughs> so. Okay, some very... Uh, insightful points. What about you, D? You, you've existed enough on this planet that these are some very good points. Because like I said, the, the picture of the pain is that, okay, so if you get myself and Barry talking, we turn into, you know, we, we look for escapism when it comes to circumstances. You know, whenever, whenever black men start talking about the issues of racism in America, that's rooted in the victim mentality. And that's supposed to be a reason why we use that. We have not lived up to whatever it is that we want to live in life. Uh, so hearing it from women, like I said, it's a different if it's just by gender, it's going to be the experience is different. Mm -hmm. and, and so, like I said, what, what's going on in, in your personal life? So when you think of how often does racism rest on your head, like you gone a week and it didn't really cross your mind or is it a day to day basis Is it every time you're in a grocery store? Is it you know, I mean, how often does it really sit with you? I would have to say daily also. And it's not even necessarily. Um, just blatant racism in your face, people saying things to you. For me, I'm all about vibes and energy, and sometimes you can just walk into a room and you just know that your your presence isn't welcomed. Right. There's this, some, a type of uncomfortable feeling that you feel, you just know. Cognitive dissonance. Is that what it is? Uh, could, kind of, sort of. Say that word again? Those words? Oh, God, I can't <laughs> pronounce it. But, Jermaine, you correct me if I'm wrong. Cognitive dissonance? Dissonance. 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 And what is that? Oh, I was hoping Jermaine would explain it. But you, but so th there's a like, point that something sat to you that you said it. So what what does that mean to you that, that pops in your head? So um, basically, it's just it's just this underlying, not even underlying, but it's this feeling um, is or I'm going to call it a coping mechanism. I could be wrong, but a coping mechanism that uh, other folks use to uh, quantify or deal with their disdain for us. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think something to the effects of when you feel a certain way and regardless of what is presented to you, you will kind of overlook whatever it is that's presented to maintain whatever it is that you currently want to believe. So if, if somebody told you, look, this is the oppression that I feel, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, let me show you. This is what was spray painted on my house. This is what was keyed into my car. This mm -hmm. is what was said to my kids. This is whatever the... Well, that's just this. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, just, just so there's this. A, a, there's a reason for... You present something to someone with an argument and they have a reason behind it. That's just their refusal to, to right. see it. Mm -hmm. So these are some female perspectives going on. Barry? I'm just taking in the queens, breaking it down. I love it. I get it. I mean, so being very rarely do we get a female perspective when it comes to these points. And so, and, and, and why I was prefacing that stuff. So first off, racism is a very real issue in America, but that's not a new condition. Racism? Seriously? In this in this post Obama in this post Obama world, yeah. So there are things that we'll sit there and say that we have issue with, that we want administration to change, that we want laws to be different when it pertains to things that we say fall under the racial umbrella. But we they're not things that we look at, but we don't have the same argument for things that are just wrong. So if something has a racial component to it, we want laws changed. We want rip it down, tear it down. Mm -hmm. But yet we still have R. Kelly was sold out concerts. 
Man. That's not right either. No. You know what I'm saying? So so when we look at how we uh, uh, approach things, because that's some of the argument that comes from some of these other groups. Like y'all are going to talk like you standing like you all about the moral majority, like you're fighting for what's right. But every time step in the name of love, come on, y'all out there <laughs> with the electric slide and it's playing at every wedding. So. What, how does that fit with y'all? So when you think about what gets you angry because it's got a racial component, but not the same anger when it comes to a moral perspective. Ooh. Ooh. That was powerful. That's deep. I have to think about that one for a second. Um, I'm just trying to think. Well, help her out. Come on. <laughs> well, I would have to say that uh, when, I heard, when you said that, Jermaine, I was just thinking... That's a value piece. It's a value piece about us, you know, just certain things that uh, that we accept. You know, we're dancing to this beat. It got a nice, catchy beat. It's kind of like us. I don't know how old you are, D. 28. So you don't know about Too Short. Yeah, I do. So you know Too Short has some nice beats. He does, but he's disrespecting There's women. There's no way in the world that we should have been bobbing <laughs> our head to Too Short. But we like to dance. Blow the whistle. <laughs> <laughs> That's our culture. We like to dance. A lot of times, I feel like we don't we don't listen to the lyrics, or like listen to R. Kelly. We're mm. not we're not thinking about his personal life. We're worried about the music because that's where it touches our soul. The okay. music. Okay, what you just witnessed was an episode of cognitive dissonance. <laughs> You're right. Where You're right. you you have a certain opinion, and that regardless of what information is put in front of you, you will find a justification to hold on to whatever it is that you previously believe. Because you can't tell me that y'all didn't listen to lyrics when you can recite a two short song verbatim. Yeah. That doesn't mean that means by freaky sheer de- you that means by definition. Yeah, we knew that. We knew the words. Yeah, you know I'm saying so. So I, I and I, I bring this up because if we're trying to have a real conversation about stuff, and, and and let's remove anybody else getting on board with us. This is strictly in-house type stuff. If we're trying to get on the same page and have a, a clear understanding that we can communicate better, how do we even gauge what's important to us? Like what is important to us? We've had the conversation before that there are no black community deal breakers. Yeah. Like there, there's nothing you can do that you can't come home. So if we don't have that that type of line in the sand to where we say this is what we will morally accept, this is behavior that is we can overlook versus some stuff that's just nah, son. If we don't have that internally in the group, if that's not in the family, how can we keep trying to get that imposed by other people to watch what they do? I feel like we can't. <laughs> how can we at this point? How can we? How do we set those morals for our culture? I feel like it's a little bit late. Um, we can start within our homes, how we teach our kids and everything, mm-hmm. but how can we really tell other adults, you know, where their morals start and where they end and what to accept and what not to accept? And Yeah, I'm not an R. Kelly fan. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Because you, you, you guys are our mothers. You, you yeah. are the foundation of a family. Yeah, I feel you on that, how we can't control other adults and what other adults do. But I feel like, I feel like, though, we do have to have a bottom. We have to establish a bottom. We have to establish, okay, here are some things that we just won't do. You know what I'm saying? And then we also, too, have to raise a standard. We have to raise our standard. So does it start with the women? I'm, I'm just saying what we won't do. Does it start with us and we set that tone for uh, our Okay, so you know what? Me and some of my sister friends, we have this argument all the time. And they feel like it should be equally men and women. But yeah. I just feel like, it's my humble opinion. I could be wrong. But I really feel like women have that kind of juice. We have that kind of power. And I feel like we create atmospheres. <laughs> so if that's the case, and let's just for the sake of discussion say that's true. Would the onus be put on you guys? As to as a little bit more on women as to the state of where things are. If you say that this is Barry, if you say that this is where we at. Now we're getting blamed. No, 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 no. There's a question. If if I was to say if men said we run this, you know, D run this. You know what I'm saying? Like this king of the castle, shot caller, all comes through me. This is I'm it. I can't blame anybody else for anything that's going on. Because I said it runs through me. Uh, I can't say it's 50-50. I can't say we did this. So it, I'm asking as women who are who are present, 
because there's some confusion amongst men sometimes. You know, we ain't trying to get into no no, no gender battle for the, for, the, for the discussion. I would just like perspective. Do you guys see it as a 50-50 thing or do you all see, you know, your place as a little more value, a little less value? Mm, I think that they're both value. Each roles are valuable. But I feel like if we accept it, then y'all going to do it. You get what I'm saying? Like if our bottom, if we establish our bottom right here, then that's as far as you're going to go, right? But if we put our bottom down here, then I have to say that, you know, I just feel like we kind of set the tone. How's your viewpoint on that, Mr. Axis? <laughs> Where did this conversation go? <laughs> Where, I'm Johnny. Where did it circulate from here to there? Uh, I thought we was talking about black people getting the police called on. <laughs> we went to this whole situation. But hey, it is what it is. I don't, man, this is the conversation I didn't want to go to. I really didn't. Because I think that in this moment we're in right now, black women, black men, there's such a, a unfortunate divide that we don't need to have. And, um, you know, I, I personally, myself, I believe in a moment that we're in, we have to clear the house. And the clearing the house is understanding that if there are roles that each of us play, um, what are those roles? And if they are the roles, do we simultaneously play it at the same time? Or does it have a, 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 a scale of at this time, you got that role. At this time, I got that role. But. When you're so divided by so many tracks, when you have on one part of the side women bashing men, on another part of the side men bashing women, and we all are saying collectively, we're building to be a better people. How can we really say that when we're initially dogging each other, whether it be on social media or confining ourselves in these ideologies because some folks are holding on to hurt and holding on to pain when the preference of really the majority of our pain is to the people that are keeping us oppressed. So it, it comes to this this idea that black men don't need black women and black women don't need black men or vice versa. And I really truly believe that it stinks because we are at a place where we need to all be together. And like we don't have to agree on everything, but I really honestly believe that there's no way we can point the finger at anyone. We're all both all dealing with hurt and all dealing with frustration on why and what it is. But I know that on the levels of, of my own upbringing, it took me a, a, a lot of time to be mature and understand the significance uh, of my royalty and my queens and my sisters. Not only just having a daughter watching her grow up, but just the idea of, you know, um, that there's, there's this, this, this powerful aura about black women that I have to lift up. That is my duty. Um, and me not having my mother around, but having my aunties and understanding the struggle and strife. But that doesn't mean that I can't challenge you or doesn't mean that we're not going to have disagreements. <laughs> it, it becomes a thing to where it seems like now if a black man and black women have an argument about anything, we're called sexist. You know, what are the other words? You guys know all the words. Male chauvinist. Uh, you know. All the toxic masculinity. Yeah, yeah exactly. All, it's a, it's just, it, it's just, no, it's, it, it becomes a thing. <laughs> how do I approach and discuss how I'm feeling with you without you taking it to a place where it doesn't need to go, right? How can I express myself without you feeling like I'm oppressing you um, as if uh, uh, I have the power to oppress you, even though they say that black men, straight black men are the new what is it? White people of, of the black community. Of the I black heard community. That too. It's like what it's like it's that? like what? It's, it's, okay, and, and then people are breaking it down. Like, well, this is why. And I'm not here to argue that, but I think that's one of the lamest and foolish things in a moment where we have one point are showing all these memes about how the other people are treating us, but then turn around and treat ourselves just as worse as when those other people so how are we conducting ourselves right we celebrate the fact that um you know uh, 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 uh white people are getting their shit beat out of themselves but at the end of the day when we look at black people doing the same thing you know everyone has an opinion you know well he was keeping it real he was keeping it gully my whole thing we talk about a guy like r kelly 
I got rid of R. Kelly CDs when I see him pissing on a young 14-year-old girl. We all seen the porno, you know, and I was done. At that particular time, I was done. So it was like, it, it, I, you didn't have to tell me who the guy was in the video. But again, our moral compass to things that we will accept and to things that we just won't allow, it really is slim in the black community. I just don't really know where and how we as black people can go back to the days or maybe the days that it was were really never there. It was just kind of like a fictional thing that we just imagine really being in a togetherness where black men and black women had a respect level for each other to at least know there were some boundaries compared to, I think a lot of us are talking in a white feminine uh, tone and the, the, the ideas that people are bringing up is actually separating us more from where we need to be together in a place where how can we effectively attack and defeat white supremacy if we are constantly attacking each other mm-hmm. on every angle mm-hmm. and that to me is the bigger problem the bigger issue because i go through it all the time i see folks subliminal messages and it's like to all the people that are listening to the show that that probably gonna just run it what is he saying or what are they talking about i see you you know what i'm saying and you know what it's black women black women and myself I look at it like before it was black men and I get where that's coming from it's the jealousy but I work with black women all the time I work with black women all the time and I try to hold a higher standard and I try to you know keep it as 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 business as possible I try to keep it as focused as possible and I try to constantly give opportunity to my sisters without break and give them leadership roles but it seems like it's a constant attack that men who are in leadership and I was telling you when you're talking, Queen Dana, that kind of don't move the way they're supposed to move with well, there's brothers that are in leadership that are trying to lift up their queens. But like how much more do the guys that are doing the right things, how much more do we have to pay the penalty for the Negroes that are lacking thereof? Like I don't get no kudos for being one of the greatest fathers ever. People don't even know about my fatherhood. Like the people won't ever discuss Barry is a, a great father and what he does for his daughter that people know that I highlight. No one will talk about that. They'll talk about all the other shit. And that shit is after a while. It gets old. But I still love my sisters. Well, that's good to know. That's good to know. So a few words back, you mentioned um, the white feminist perspective. Do you think there's a struggle of power between the black man and the black woman right now? Oh, most definitely. There's Most definitely. And it shouldn't be that way because my opinion is there's enough uh, 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 pie on the table for both of us. And But, but let's re- be clear. We ain't even chasing the pie yet. We're still gathering up the crumbs. So I think that the unfortunate part of where we're at right now, it's like, how are we talking about H&M, Starbucks? Waffle House, um, Hobby Lobby, you know what I'm saying? All these numerous infractions coming from these entities or these individuals, these organizations about how they're treating us. But then we turn around, look at what we're doing to ourselves. Black men and black women right now, you have women that will always talk about a woman's agenda. You have men that will always talk about a men's agenda. Why are we talking about a full-on agenda? Because two separate pies divided don't make a whole fucking pie. You get what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. So it, and it, and we all have our own things that we have to do. No doubt. We all have our men's that we need to go and kind of do. Our woman we need to kind of do. We got all those separate things. But when we're constantly being pulled, what, so what's going to end up happening? Is it the black woman going to start dating Asian men? Or and is a black man going to just start moving yeah, around and, and, and uh, <laughs> navigating to, to, to the white women? I mean, what's going on? Well, I feel like black women already feel like not all black men are on their team anyway. They've been team they white girl. Like you know what I mean? Or anyone that's not black, <laughs> for that matter. So I feel like that's part of the issue also. So do we have to find out what the stem of that and the reason why is? Because, I mean, I just got done professing that I'm team black. Does that's- that count for anything? <laughs> I mean, is that... Does that count for anything? Kudos for you, definitely. But but I'm just <laughs> one of what? I mean, what is it? I mean, like three. You're probably one of three in fact. But that's. What do you tell <laughs> the women? What do you tell the youth that you mentor? What do you, King? What do you tell the youth that you mentor? I mean, I honestly believe as a young man, um, the reality is because I was a young man <laughs> once upon a time. Were you? Oh yes, I was, and I had a lot of. <laughs> 
per se, per se, because you said it first, I can say it now. Um, I tell my young men to go ahead and find what they like. You know, find what they like. You know, do what they want to do with right now, but understand, always bring it back home. Why? I have to say that because I was a young man that dibbled and dabbled myself. I mean, it is easier for when you're young and you're, you just, just are kind of trying to get to know yourself to be able to kind of just move around and navigate a little bit and see other things, see other flavors, and then understand. But here's the thing. I preference to understand. Understand who your people are, who you are, and, and what you are bred with, that melanin. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, I'm, you know, young bulls is going to just kind of have their moments because, I mean, think about it. These high schools, it's not all crawling around with black women. Come on now. These, these high schools is not all crawling around with young black girls running around here. So they're going to see a little bit of a difference. But then I also school them on what the reality is. And you also have to remember, too, for a lot of these young men, their mamas aren't black. So we, we have a. Ooh. So th there's the idea that they will be black in society and in life. But 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 when they go home, so they make, the, you know, there's supposed to be the narrative that if, if you're a black man and you don't have a, a black woman that you hate yourself or you hate your mother or, or whatever that craziness is. But, but my mama white. But I'm saying <laughs> so if, if all of a sudden if, if if he goes home and his mom is Asian or his mom is Hispanic. Or his mom is white. Does, does that mean if, if Barack came home with a, with a blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman, does that mean he hate himself and his mama? Though that woman is a closer reflection of what his mother looked like than the women that he would see in life? So I'm saying, like, so for, so for some of them, for the young men, to, to, that's real for them. Like, so when they go home and look at mom, mama, mama named Maria. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, so so do, 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 I wouldn't even put that in their head of telling them, don't, especially if they're 13, 14, 15, I wouldn't say, you know, I would just make them knowledgeable of who they are, what they're seeing in this world, their struggles in their lives, but they're going to find out what, they're going to find what they want to find. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, I appreciate your perspective. I just want to ask both of you a question. I just want to ask both of you a question. Mm -hmm. What do you think it does to young black girls when they see and find that the young black boys don't desire them what does it do to young black boys when they see the black girls don't seem to desire them it's the same thing i mean like i went through i went through my uh uh uh, uh you know middle school and high school uh, uh career having a lot of black women that denied me a lot so it's not like it's just black women that are um, just feeling Still the brunt rejected. of getting rejection. It's, it's black boys as well. And you have to understand maybe that because the black boy might have a little bit more options at that particular time to kind of go to the other side. But a lot of the times there is not this scale that other cultures lift up for the black male. Like that's why some young black males run to the other side of the fence because there's not a scale. There's not like, hmm. Yeah, it's just kind of come as you are. I love you, babe. It's almost kind of like that. But and you can't a, meet my parents. Hey, well, hey, hey, that's okay as long as you're, you're giving 16, me. You're probably not too concerned. Uh, exactly. That. We don't care about that. <laughs> I mean, I'll meet you in the back. So it's not like we're trying to see parents anyway. I'm just being honest. It's like, okay, well, hey, well, gonna pick me up? Yeah. So when we're dealing with the stress that we're dealing with. The commotion of our life that we're dealing with when someone just embraces us for just being who we are and, 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 and we not even know who we are at that particular time. It's a good feeling. So that 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 notion that it's black boys are just um, dogging out black women and it, it, like black women are dogging out black boys. It, it, it's it's kind of like it's kind of almost like. We want the black woman to play that victim role when there's a lot of young black boys that go through the same thing. Some of the young, I remember there was this one young sister. I wanted her. Take us back. Oh, Shamba, take you back. <laughs> but she wanted the baller. I remember I was walking her home and the baller pulled up. Old, older G, you know what I'm saying? I hung out with him a little bit because, you know, I was that kind of young dude. And I'm walking her home, and I'm just, just 
I'm just, you know, kind of in my moment, singing her Bobby Brown or something like, don't be cruel, hey, my little wa- yellow Walkman and stuff like that. OG pulls up. <laughs> What's up with you, boy? What's up, my dude? And he just comes and puts a sign. She's like, okay, B, I'll see you. Let's go tomorrow. And jumped in. And so how did that affect me as a young black boy? I'm sure... I'm sure that it affected you in some type of way. But do you notice that you never answer my question? Because my I'm not trying I'm not trying to negate uh how a young black boy might be feeling if a black woman or a black girl rejected him. I'm not I'm not saying that. I just asked you what your thought was. How do you think young black girls feel i get what you're saying king and i get it and i think that the young black boys they probably feel rejected or that they don't measure up if black girls are rejecting them i don't know if that's happening at the same level vice versa so i was just wondering (laughs) is that a value piece we get our value from men well, ooh, let me, ooh, no. No, you said, no, 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 you said it. Let me no, clear no, no, that no, up. You said let it. Me, no, let, <laughs> me clear that up. let me clear that up. I don't mean to say that we get our value from men. However, we don't get all of our value from men. But we do like male attention. And that does kind of... That makes us pop our collar a little bit. Okay, and well, I feel like it's not about male attention. I feel like it starts with the media. I feel like... Okay, would you time. want us to answer the question? But I'm just saying, hold on a second. Okay, I'm just saying, but... Again, I answered your question because I said you the same. No, the same exact way you feel is the same exact way we feel. That's a, that, how can you say you don't think it is? I gave you a, a a a perfect example of the young black girl that I wanted so bad that I was trying to get that I walked her home every day singing Bobby Brown was freaking bringing her flowers bringing her freaking uh, 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 you know extra lunch you know what I'm saying but what's how, your favorite what color was the baller listen to it he was black he was an older black how male. many years ago was this though okay, but, how many years ago that, that mean was it was it what okay middle school high school okay so, year? so to clean this up because I think the part where y'all missing is he's addressing rejection is rejection exactly you're picking and choosing the reason for the rejection I thought that's what we were well, no, well, no 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 I'm saying we're just where this confusion is so we can clean this up so we can you know keep, keep it pushing okay. is that he's sitting you're saying how does how do you think a young black girl feels when she is not the object of this young black boy's affection he's saying the same way a young black man feels when he's not the object you don't have to agree i'm answering the question right okay so, no, <laughs> but, you, but, but, you, but, but it's like this it's like you women sometimes don't want to feel you guys really want to put yourself like you guys are the only ones feeling rejection because you're saying like this can't be true you could you black males can't feel that way when we're you're getting rejected by us but, but it's the reality but you're getting rejected the other guy was black no but see this is i think the part where we're having the, the, the confusion it's, does that, it really matter it's not, <laughs> it's not like you were walking with your walkman and everything and, and there was a, a, white, a white boy pulled up but and that's, that black girl hops into the white boy's that, car that's what we're talking what, does about it matter? But see th- this is what i'm saying what we're that's missing what we're speaking of, like, no, no, no. No? okay let, let's clean this up so we can get past <laughs> this because this this impasse is it's not that big of a deal because i think what we're missing you as have in your mind you believe that it makes a difference if the person is of a different race. What we're sitting there saying is rejection is rejection. You want it to mean something more if a black woman rejected a black man for a white man as opposed to (laughs) another black man. And we're simply saying it doesn't. It doesn't matter. So I'm saying saying that rejection is rejection. That her say that him, a man presenting himself to her and her saying no for whatever reason is rejection. And, and, and let me preface into another piece, again, of saying, I said a particular piece that it seemed when I was growing up younger, there was a lot of black girls that I wanted. I had to be more than what I was. Like I created up a whole persona called Smooth B just to get girls because Barry Axius wasn't working. I had to be like, oh, God, this is not working right now. Smooth B. And next thing you know, Mr. Hustler. He's, you know, Mr. Fly Guy, Mr. Outspoken, Shit Disturber. You know, now it's, hey, hey, look at him. What I'm saying is black male, older, pulled up, cute black girl. She jumped in the car, not knowing what what her situation is, whatever. But I'm saying it seems like with a lot of black girls when I was growing up, the ones that I had, had around, you had to be a little bit more than just the average Joe Bear, where 
the others, they don't care what you are, come as you may. You get what I'm talking about? Like that's kind of like the difference. There's that you don't have to kind of create this ore and this lore to lure them in to bring them. So the pains that we're all inflicting on each other, none of it is right. You know what I'm saying? In a sense, but the way we feel ain't none of it's wrong. So what you're saying as a black woman's perspective, I understand it. I feel what I'm saying as a black male perspective, you have to understand it because it's real. I'm telling you what it was. But I think what we carry on too much is that black women are the only ones feeling rejected. Like that, whoa, we're with this and y'all black males. I mean, well, no, it kind of comes off like that. Right. The idea of I don't want a broke ass dude. I don't want no this, Man, this, that, that, whatever. Come on. But if you, you, you can go down a grocery list of reasons why Man. a black woman would not want a black man. Just, just pick them. You know, whatever reasons that you can sit there and say. And the difference of saying that, okay, well, I don't want to do this broke. I don't want to do this short. I don't want to do this, this. I don't want to do this, that, whatever. If you incorporate color, then that's supposed to make it different. Like if you, if you, if, if a black man presented himself to 10 different black women and they all said no for 10 different reasons, he got rejected like 10 times. <laughs> it didn't matter if each of them turned around to another black man or if they turned around to an Asian man or turned around to to a, to a woman, to a black woman. Like he's just taking 10 L's in a row. And other and races <laughs> ain't doing that, yo. And that I've pain never, is just I've as real. Never, I've never heard, even if they thought it, I've never heard things like, oh, I um I shoot my man got to make this much money. I mean I need someone at six two. You know what I'm saying? And they end up getting all of the ones that are six two, six three, six four. But they don't say none of that type of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like off the top, the battle between black men and women is psychological because we start killing each other off our wordplay. And I don't know if that's due to um, dysfunctional family, due to upbringing, due to the lack of their black love. But there is something that's coming from both sides. There's not one side doing more than the other. That's what I'm saying. That's why I believe that this divide has to be communicated so we can figure out why? Because I love my black sisters. I love them. I ain't going to give up on y'all. Don't even trip. I done had my walk through the mountains with other ones, other ones, other ones. And I'm like, I'm home. I'm here. I'm not going nowhere. Because when I look at a black woman, woo-wee. Oh, Lord. <laughs> the flavors. It's like being in an ice cream parlor with y'all. You get what I'm talking about? Mocha, caramel, uh, fudge. What, what are you Baskin Robbins. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. But, 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 but they're still is this immediate shift because it's very scary. It's going to be a lot of us not together in a place and at a time that we really need to be together and stick with each other in, 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 in tumultuous times because it, it just it does looks real ugly. I mean, I see the patterns in places where it used to be, okay, I'm going to find a bunch of black couples like Atlanta, Chocolate City, D.C. Oh, no, it's not even close to that no more. You can cut, find couples, but it's uh, Michael and Stevie. Walking hand in hand in Atlanta. Mm. Don't even think about <laughs> that. <laughs> I say like, okay, so I, I think one thing is, is wrapping that part of it up. Is you pose the question, I assume, for a specific reason. Because if you ask the question, what do you think that does to black girls? What does it? Because I think that, that there was a reason behind it as opposed to, because whatever our answer was, was not satisfying what the basis of your question was. So go ahead and share which, what you believe that that, that does. Well, I just believe that I just believe that um, I believe that it does play on their self-esteem, you know, um, to not be desirable by someone who looks like you. You guys have the same struggle and you guys have, you know, probably have the same desired outcome, definitely have the same work. That has to be done. So and for that person, that man not to desire you, you know, I think that that uh, can play on someone's self-esteem. Now, if you are a person with high self-esteem and um, or higher self-esteem and that doesn't bother you, I, I, I don't know. I just think that I think that it does bother. I know it, it would bother me. Okay. Do I think that men should be able and women should be able to love who they love? Absolutely. I believe that they should. But I don't I, I don't know. I do take issue with men that exclude black women because they're black. Okay, what about the ones that don't exclude? Meaning there are there are a lot of people. Before we get too deep on it, there are a lot of people who it's not either or. It's like 
I don't eat pizza because I hate burgers. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there there are people it's not the exclusion part. I don't know any black dudes that I've know that say I exclusively do not date black women. I don't know any of them. Really? Though I know, I do. I do. Too. I don't. I don't. I don't. But I mean, even, but though even the ones that I know who if have it ain't white, it ain't right. But, no, no. I've heard black men who say that they have a preference of someone who's not black. Like they say that oh, I love Asian women or I love whatever. Never in their little speech or, or rhetoric do they mention a disdain or a disconnect or a dislike for black women. Like I said, if you sat there and said pizza is my favorite food. You didn't say anything. You didn't say that you hated tacos or that I, you hated ribs or I that disagree. you hate. There has to be one or the other. No, I've heard brothers. Well, I'm just saying for me, I'm not speaking for the for the masses and for the whole. So I'm I'm saying that there are a percentage of people out there, really. That <laughs> that I'm just saying that 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 does exist. The same way that a woman can reject a man, not for another man, or that she can reject a man for. You could reject somebody for any reason. So if you if some man approached you and you weren't into him and you told him no thank you and however you do that and then you ended up with somebody else it may have absolutely nothing to do with the one who asked you before him you know what I'm saying like I, I think that sometimes to justify and rationalize things in our head we connect dots sometimes that aren't there and so well he said no to her but he ended up with her it must mean because he compared her to her that's not true. You know what I mean? Like, like I don't know how much does that work in, or does it always have to be a comparison? Can I say something? Um, I understand having a preference, racial racial preference when it comes to dating, but I don't think that degrading black women. If you're a black male and you don't date black women, perfect, fine, date whoever you want to date. But that does not give you the right to talk down about black women, especially amongst crowds that aren't black. I get that. No one, no one thinks that's right okay. The same thing. But, but I, happens. it happens all no, no. the time. No, no, no. I get that. Once again, time. no one is, is condoning that. Yeah. Nobody's saying that that's okay. I'm saying, I see it I'm saying that social that's not everywhere. always the case. In person, oh, not always, of course. Well, of course. First of all, social media is a horrible representation of people. So that, that no, I mean it, that, that that's, that's a horrible representation. That is, if you were to say that it's anywhere accurate, true, the world star represents Black Americans. Is that what we're saying? No, no, nobody would say that. So to say that it's the same way that they'll look at athletes and rappers and entertainers who have non-Black women represents the majority. No, the majority of Black men are married to Black women. Mm. We just don't see it. No, no, statistically, that's not even a debatable argument. Like of Black men who are married, the majority of them, most of them, it's like seventy percent of married Black men are married to Black women. But, but we see the opposite. Well, because the average dude who works at Target is not on the cover of a magazine. <laughs> so I'm saying if you want to make the argument per profession, if you were to say over this tax bracket, what's the percentage? It may be different. Mm -hmm. But but the dude who, who mops floors at Walmart, who's married to a black woman, he's not on the cover of TMZ. He's not you know being focused. So you don't see him. So that's what I'm saying. Social media is a poor representation of what actually is. So this idea that most black men don't date black women is just wrong. It, it just is. So I, I'm saying, but all this stuff that, that goes on, like I said, I think that we have some some gaps that need to be filled in that fill in with communication. And if we can get to the point to where we're not just in our feelings about stuff, but we actually hear each other when we speak, because you, you can't hear and listen to a conversation that you're only waiting to hear something that either uh, validates your point. Or you're just waiting for your turn to talk like that. There's no growth there. There's no communication. There's no bridging. There's no growing. So I think that some of the things that we need to do is get past what we already believe we know and be open to actually learning something new when it pertains to the person that we're speaking to. Because I think that those are where a lot of the gaps that we miss. Those are going some of the things that we do socially. Those are some of the things we do romantically. Those are things that we do within our households, within our jobs, within a, a bunch of walks of life that keep us separated because we're so married to what we know that we don't leave room to grow. So these are things that I think that we have to address. Go on here. We're going in the summary, but go on and go ahead and knock that out. Go on. Go on. You here? I just want to say, Jermaine, do you feel like we are doing that? <laughs> People as a whole do that. But not Dana. I'm not picking. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> These are things that we need to address, to acknowledge, and definitely say something about. Destiny Hayes wants to. She wants to finish what she was going to say. Finish. 
No, I'm, I'm, I had a few things today. It's okay. No, go. We want to hear. No, no, we want to hear. No, no, we want to hear. We got you here. We got you in the building. What I was going to say. No, I want to hear. We need to hear. The world wants to hear. (laughs) What I was going to say, it's already been covered, one. And two, it was many conversations ago. So, next podcast. Special guest, the building, D. Hayes. Where can (laughs) folks find you online for more riveting conversation like this? (laughs) My Facebook is Destiny Kila Hayes. D-E-S-T-I-N-E-E. On Instagram, I am dot Destiny Hayes. Yeah. <laughs> Dana, where can folks find you? Um, my name is Dana Maisha, D A N A uh, M A E S H I A. You can find me on Facebook. You, yeah, you can find me on Facebook. I'm on Facebook. Very Axie. Very Axie is Twitter. It's going crazy. Instagram at Team Void and Very Axie is Facebook. Blackblueprintswithaz.com. I'm Jermaine Morris on Facebook. Every other social media platform is at J Morris CEO. Special round of applause for our special guest today. They feel that nothing got solved here. <laughs> Sometimes it's just about mind? it's about opening dialogue and starting to have some conversations. Black I'm, women, we love you. Yes, we do. I'm Jermaine Morris. It's very access to the Say Something podcast. Black women for real. And until next show, we will holla at you later. Say something.